0: We know what war pitted brother against brother, but a couple of wars before that saw a division between famous father and son. Welcome to American Esoterica. If History Class gives you the shopping list, this is the three packs of cookies that weren't on it. The essential stuff in between, the personalities, events, and other ephemera that shape our history and culture. I'm Brian Powers. Benjamin Franklin was a lot of things. An inventor, publisher, lover, writer of quirky sayings and books about farting, you name it, he probably did it. First library in the States, him. Bifocals? Him. First flexible catheter in the United States? uh, Him. The first American penny? Designed by him, which is why it's ironic that he's not on it. Franklin was also a father, however, although I'll leave it up to you to decide whether you think he was a good one. Benjamin Franklin's son, William, is born in 1730. We don't know who his mother is for sure, only that he is born out of wedlock. William is raised by Benjamin and his common-law wife, Dorothy Reed, whom he had been seeing before they made it official in 1730. So she might be William's mother, or he might be the product of any number of Benjamin's late-night assignations. Anyway, as William reaches adulthood, he assists his father in his madcap and wacky adventures. Think of him as the Marty McFly to Benjamin's Doc Brown. The thing with the kite and the key? William is there, although he's 21 at the time and not a child as usually depicted. He finds some success in the army, but after the French and Indian War, he engages more often with the social scene. This irks Benjamin, who decides to take full control of William's life. Under Benjamin's watchful eye, William apprentices with a Philadelphia lawyer and ultimately assists Benjamin with nearly every position he holds over the next 12 years. Just when William falls in love with a local socialite, he's shipped off to England with his dad, where he becomes more entrenched in English society. He also follows in his father's footsteps by fathering a child out of wedlock with an unknown mother, who dumps the kid on William's doorstep. William leaves the son, named Temple, in foster care in England and returns to America in 1762. He marries one of the debutantes he left behind and, after some lobbying by Benjamin with the Prime Minister, he eventually receives an appointment to become the Royal Governor of New Jersey, a position he still holds in 1775 when the Revolutionary War breaks out. Benjamin returns from England after more than a decade and embraces the Revolution. As they had done time and time again, Benjamin once again tries to enlist the help of his son with a new endeavor, the cause of American independence. Now, here's where it gets sticky. William, who has already steadfastly pledged his allegiance to the crown, refuses Benjamin's efforts. No matter how Benjamin approaches him about joining the Patriots, William is unbowed. The relationship between the two men deteriorates rapidly over a meeting in August 1775 and is brought to a head over Temple, Benjamin Franklin's illegitimate son's illegitimate son. See, Benjamin had stumbled upon the boy as a four-year-old in England and spent the next decade or so raising him, bringing Temple with him when he returns to the colonies in 1775. On top of everything else, Benjamin and William argue over where the boy should attend school and there are political ramifications. William's choice would possibly lead to Temple becoming a loyalist, so Benjamin refuses. This is really the nail in the coffin of their relationship. They correspond for a few months, but after a heated fight in November, the men go their separate ways. So, it's now important to talk about patriotism here. To further confuse things, I'll note at the outset that the word Patriot, at the time, had a specific connotation. That of someone critical of the British policies and agitating for independence in the colonies. But we've come to understand it, in a modern sense, as someone with a great love of country. Benjamin had raised William to be a good citizen and had drawn him into government and politics in his own wake. So in William's eyes, he was being a good, what we would now call it, Patriot. Meaning, he was loyal to the country he was born and raised in. You know, Britain. The elder Franklin himself had written, Britain and her colonies should be considered as one whole. In the 1750s, the American colonies were part of Britain. So it's worth noting that the Loyalists weren't just bad guys against the backdrop of a fight for freedom. They were faced with a choice of remaining loyal to all they'd ever known or choosing to forge instead an entirely new nation. Choosing independence might also come with ruin, at least in the short term. It's hard to imagine just how difficult a choice it really was. And in reality, it's estimated that no more than about 45% of colonists ever really supported revolution. Both Franklins felt betrayed as they came to opposite conclusions about the right thing to do. William Franklin made his stance known in a speech later on. For king and country, only he said it in Latin, was the motto I assumed when I first commenced my political life, and I am resolved to retain it till death shall put an end to my mortal existence. Both men view themselves as patriots, ready to fight for what they believe is right. It's through this lens that we now view everything that comes after. The stage is now set and the die is cast. Father and son are divided by the cause of independence versus British rule. And when all is said and done, one man will become a beloved figurehead and martyr to his cause and rally his supporters to fight for years to come. And the other man is Benjamin Franklin. To be continued. This has been American Esoterica. All sounds were made by me, Brian Powers. Did I get it wrong? Did I get it right? Just want to talk about how proudly you fart. Drop me a note. The address is yell at AmericanEsoterica.com. Thank you for listening and God bless America.